Uh, welcome to the Random Runner podcast, the third episode. Actually, the the Random Runner now. We decided to change the name to Random Runner, the Random Runner. Yep, keep it light, keep it simple. A little catchy. So, it kind of reminds me of that line in the movie for the Facebook movie. Did you ever see that movie? No, actually, I forgot they made a Facebook movie. I need to see that. Yeah, basically, it used to be called thefacebook.com. And I forgot, it's the guy who created Napster was advising Zuckerberg, and he told him to drop the word the from the name and just make it facebook.com. And I don't know if that how important that moment was in the movie. It seemed pretty important. But hmm. we're doing the same thing. We're lightening it up. Yeah, except we're adding the in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. But dropping podcast, because obviously it's a podcast or you wouldn't be listening to it. That's correct. So, yeah, we uh, had a good good week of uh, some shoe purchases. I yep. bought a pair of shoes that look, they're probably the ugliest pair of shoes that I've ever owned. <laughs> In fact, I've had a I few people go like, what's up with the toe box? Like, what, or the, they don't use the word toe box, but they're... You know the right. front the, of the, the shoe, funky front end. Yeah, the clown aspect of these shoes. So I bought a pair of the Ultra Torrens, um, simply because the deal was really good. I got them for like seventy bucks, and nice. I wear a size twelve. These are a size eleven and a half, and um, I haven't run in them yet, other than running around my workplace. Um, yeah. But they're fairly comfortable. Um, they're thicker cushion, and I think they're going to actually resist the uh, the issue I have with other cushion shoes, where the, my um, the spot under the ball of my foot kind of mushes out. Okay. Seems like I'm going to have some longevity with these. Awesome. So, do they feel <clears throat> softer than the Escalantes? Then is that noticeable? No, they actually feel a little bit firmer. They're huh. still they're still comfortable. They're not squishy, but they're uh, I don't know how to describe it. They're very comfortable but um there's a little bit more resistance to them but they're not like uh uh they're not res- more responsive i don't think i okay. just think maybe it's an older it's like a stiffer midsole stiffer midsole yeah it, it's okay. still like the eva midsole um but yeah they're super ugly though they're blue <laughs> green and like the there's probably like a good inch of cushion that just looks like I'm standing on like a piece of wood or something. Nice. So, uh, you know, you could look them up. They, yeah. Well, I looked them up and the, the current ones that I think you have the previous gens, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but the newer version seems to look like they've fixed the aesthetics quite a bit. They don't look quite like mall walker shoes. But I, I, well, I don't really care what shoes look like. I mean, I do, but I don't. Yeah. So, so I also bought some Escalantes. You, I mean, you didn't mention it, but you bought some Escalantes first, then upgraded to the Torrens, or bought a second pair. I don't know if you want to call it an upgrade, but for me, the Escalantes feel very soft and squishy, and I actually noticed that the midsole was very flexible. Like, yeah, and, it is. I, I mean, there's protection from the road, but it's very much it moves with your foot, like laterally, left to right, mm-hmm. um, which I think I'm gonna like. Um, I mean, it allows my foot to work and do do what it does so uh, i've run twice in it and i've been pretty happy with how my feet feel so yeah i can't complain i was originally putting up uh, a little bit of a fit with my escalantes just uh you know 
not liking this or that or just overthinking things and as my calves have been getting used to the the format of running with a zero drop shoe i've finally gotten used to it and and i think i think those are going to be my go-to's but right now my rotation of not trail shoes but road shoes which is what okay. my next training cycle is really going to focus on mm-hmm. i've got the nike uh, pegasus 35 um which already have about 200 miles in them the uh, ultra escalante which i've got like 30 something and then my torrens ultra torrens so i still plan on running in my nike so we'll see how the you know at keeping the high drop shoe in with the low drop works mm-hmm. that might be a bad idea but it'll be worth experimenting and if it just doesn't work that well then i'll ditch them well i mean ultra in their documentation mentioned that if you've never run in zero drop before that alternating between your old shoes and the new ones for two or three weeks was advised so i don't know i don't it can't be that bad i mean i'm finding that i mean i was running in low drop and some zero drop sandals previously and i'm finding that maybe it's just because i've up to my miles this last week or two that uh, my calves are rock hard too i've been working on them quite a bit so nice. i don't have any pain but they're definitely tight yeah but but i did go from like 20 miles a week up to 50 with like no transition so that's probably more of what i'm dealing with yeah that's pretty sweet though keep that up and yeah you know without the injury totally i'm excited i had a uh, just a, an easy run i did eight miles not this today but yesterday's run and it was right at sunset and this like this cool air was running in or coming in after the it was a warmish day for us and i don't know i just felt like i could push and it wasn't causing me to strain like you know those kind of feelings when you can just kind of grind a little harder on a little better gear without really making your heart rate spike i could still cruise and i don't know i felt like i could have grabbed yet another gear and gone even faster Uh, basically i I compared it to my my speed in the marathon last january and i was running almost the same pace on gravel with like like 15 beats per minute lower heart rate so i'm definitely working a lot less that's awesome uh, at the same speed so i'm encouraged about the goal for hitting a 330 marathon this january so we'll see what happens yeah that's awesome what pace were you running you're running at 830 pace or what yesterday yeah um i think overall my average was about 840 but uh for a majority of well at least the point when i was checking it near the end of my run um, i was doing like 815 that's I was great. really comfortable on gravel low heart rate so looking forward to what's coming yeah I was going to say, I need to find my heart rate monitor again and just kind of get a check-in. I ran last year pretty much exclusively with a heart rate monitor. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to kind of hit the reset button and just forget about heart rate, just run what's comfortable. Um, so it would be really good for me to actually go back and see kind of what my paces are and uh, what my heart rate is doing in relation to my paces. Yeah, I, mean, I don't... I think it's okay to go without a heart rate monitor, especially, I know Jack Daniels doesn't recommend you use one because he wants you to work based on pace. Because I know in the summer when it's hotter, your heart rate's going to be higher at the same pacing and the same conditions. And that's kind of, I think, why it was encouraging again, because we've been dealing with hot weather all summer. And that was like one of the first cool evenings in a while for me. And I'm guessing my body didn't have to work as hard to maintain its core temperatures. So it could put all that energy into my legs. Yeah. 
Well, we had a big, uh, since our last podcast, we had something really major happen in the world of running. We had uh, Elliot Kipchoge ran a uh, two-hour, one-minute, and 37? No. Was it 39, the, I think. 39. 39. 201.39. That's crazy. Yeah, he just smashed the world record by like 70 seconds or 75 seconds, some insane amount. Yeah, I remember we uh, we had a conversation a while ago where um, we were just talking about how, you know, when, at this level, when people break records, it's like by seconds, usually. Right. So the fact that he did that by that margin is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, he himself said he felt like he was in condition to break the world record, but he didn't think he was going to run in the 201s. I mean, that, I think, shocked him as well. Yeah. Although I was listening to um, some people talk before the the race took place, and he he didn't say that his plan was to break his world record. He said his plan was to PR. And yeah. does that mean he's going to PR off of his old legit record, or is he going to PR off the two hour and and thirty five second or twenty nine second? I'm sure second, he meant was. like the world record qualifying time. I mean, the, the breaking two times is not going to stand. Yeah, I mean that was what two hours and thirty seconds. Somewhere there, yeah. Two, I think it was two hours twenty nine seconds. Okay, somewhere around there was like a full minute faster. Yeah, but man, what what pace does that come out to? It's like four thirty seven or something. Four forty somewhere around there. That's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, I mean today I was at a cross high school cross country race and there's. There's one runner named Charlie from Chico High that's kind of like the rock star. He always wins, and by a hand, a big margin usually. And, I mean, he, he can run like a 3 or 5K at about 5-minute pace. Maybe I, bet he, I don't know if he's broken 15 yet, but maybe he could on the track. And it's still, like, that is still slower than what, you know, Kipchoge did for, you know, every single 5K split he did in the entire race. Yeah. It's just so hard to wrap your head around that. Well, especially considering there's only one person in the world that can do that or has done well, that. Sure. So you get a really special individual. But they make it look so easy. It's like, oh, man, I could just hang with that guy. Yeah. Well, he's got, I don't know what the exact length of his stride is, but he's got to be covering a tremendous amount of ground. I mean, it almost looks like he's kicking the ground and like jumping with each step. He's just so powerful in his stride. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking to see if I can watch the whole marathon, and I had to, you can watch it in German, and I can't speak German, so there's no point in watching oh, really? it. really? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, comparing it to, I mean, he looked, he was definitely, I watched the last, I don't know, the, the end of the race, the last couple kilometers at least, and I mean, he looked fast, but he looked very relaxed. I remember comparing it to, oh, who's the American runner that just set the American record in, like, Copenhagen? What's his uh, name? Galen He's Rupp. a top runner. Yeah, Galen Rupp. He, I mean, he he dominated that race, and he set a huge American record. But to me, it looked like he was working really hard. I mean, like he had to really... Well, he, he, he wanted it. He puked after he passed the oh, That's line. true. For sure. <laughs> so, I mean, that definitely well, gives you... Well, she kind of have permission to puke at the end of uh, breaking a record. Sure. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty intense. So, yeah, I don't know. I can't even imagine. We we were just philosophizing, or not philosophizing. We were pondering, you know, how, how long we could we run at 
Kipchoge's pace that he ran the full marathon at. And I mean, who knows if we've even hit 440 pace for more than a split second. Okay, here's a challenge that we'll try this week, hopefully, unless we're just don't not feeling up to it. See how long it takes for our watches to catch up to that pace. Because hmm. I, I know that you might, or I might be able to hit the pace for, at least hit the pace, but can I hold that pace long enough so my watch actually reads it? Cause reads it? it? Yeah, it yeah. takes, you know, however many seconds to catch up to it. Well, I'm not sure who it was. It was some journalist that was talking about the Breaking 2 project, and they brought some people in that were just, I mean, they were runners, but they were, you know, elite, obviously. They were pretty dedicated runners, probably like you or I. And they put them on a treadmill and put set it at the pace that Kipchoge runs at. And they basically timed to see how long they can keep it up. And I think only one runner made it to a minute. I mean, and a lot of people, it was like 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Yeah. And to all of them, it felt like a sprint. I mean, a full-out, all-out effort. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder what Kipchoge's um, VO2 max is. I bet it's over like 80 or 90. Yeah, so uh, in that, uh, we both have the Jack Daniel formula book. Right. Um, in there, he says that people either have a really high VO2 max or they have a really high running economy, but usually not both. Yeah. I bet you that, that it, Kipchoge has both. Oh, I'm sure. Because, I mean, his form is super efficient. Yep. Um, but he's got to have a really high VO2 max. Sure. Well, I mean, he's, he's what, like 120 pounds? He's not a very big guy. Yeah. And his, you know, his legs are, like, massive, so all of his weight's down there. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, I don't know. I, I could dream. I think about, you know, we're we're trying to break, like, a 3.30 marathon coming up, and that seems daunting. Our, our ultimate goal is to break a three-hour marathon within the next year or two, and, I mean, that seems impossible. I can't imagine, you know, being at that level... I don't know if you saw today on Instagram, Sage Kennedy posted a, a, a video of him running track as like a seventh grader. And oh, he said wow. it was a really pivotal race for him because he broke five minutes in the 1500 meters. It wasn't the full 16. It was just a 1500. He broke five, like he did a 445 or something. Wow. I mean, I don't know how a seven year or seventh grader even like trains up enough to do that. It's obviously some people have some running talent, even well, yeah. at these young ages. You got to have talent. Uh, I mean, as a seventh grader, you got to think, you know, you're starting to get close to your final height. And I know people continue to grow a little bit, but so you've got a little bit of uh, reach in your legs. So that probably helps a lot. Um, For then, sure. But I know most people, though, at least if they're serious runners and they run through high school and college, they don't peak with their PRs until they get to college. Yeah. Usually. So. I don't know. That just blows my mind. I, I never got that fast even through high school. So, but I'm not talented. <laughs> just more stubborn. Huh. Well, I never got to run in high school, so I'm starting from scratch, scratch. Well, it's fun to see the progress. I mean, it's running and progression is really slow but fast. I don't know. How, it's like in the moment, it's hard to see the improvement. But when you look back over three months or six months, it's easier to see improvements and it certainly can happen yeah I mean, a one minute speed increases a pretty big jump over time but it's not impossible i mean obviously there's human limits we can't all run 
you know, four minute miles, but you can certainly try. I mean, you don't know until you try. Yeah. I would love to as a goal. So I've got a list of like, you know, people have bucket lists of things they want to accomplish in whatever they do mm-hmm. um, in running. So for me, definitely want to break a three hour marathon, um, which is feeling these days is feeling less impossible than it has in the past. Why would you um, say that? Uh, because the pace required for that, for at least for running one mile, doesn't feel impossible anymore. It doesn't feel that hard. Um, but is that like a 750, 755 pace? No, it's the break three? 650. 650 pace. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm totally. <laughs> I'm way off in my thinking. Yeah. You're right. Okay. I, yeah, it's I still just haven't under got seven the pacing minutes. down yet. So when I usually, when I get into the six territory, I'm either running as hard as I can. Or I start a race too fast, and I start so I run fast the first half mile, and then start slowing down. Right. So get yourself back in check. I have yet to run a mile to try to get that pace. So maybe a good trial for me is to see how long can I keep up that pace. Um, so I'm starting to dip into that territory. So if I give myself another year, I, you know, maybe I could do it. We'll see. Um, yeah. You never know. But you one try. Of, one of the other things that's on my list of things to do, I know I'll never do a sub four minute mile, but I would love to get a sub five minute mile. That'd be pretty sweet. So, and I I just like the the prospect of continuing to break your minute mile, you know, PR. My current PR for the minute or for the mile is six minutes and six seconds. Okay. Um, and that was not on a track. That was on um, a relatively flat stretch of concrete trail at the uh, the Reading River Trail or the Sac River Trail. Um, so it's a nice flat surface. Pretty flat, but there were no hills or anything. There were a couple little hills. Nothing crazy. There's one hill that goes down and then back up, and you lose a few seconds on there. So, if it were totally flat on the same day, I might have. <clears throat> Might have done it, but probably not. Um, but man, my legs hurt bad the next day. Really? So, yeah. Huh. See, for me, when I, I run shortish distances and I run fast, at least if I, it's like less than four or five miles. Well, I don't know. I've never raced longer than four miles. I haven't done one of the five mile through the trees races yet, but whenever I run four or less, even though I'm running full speed, it doesn't really knock me out the next day. Well, this was, th- this was I was trying to run a mile PR, so okay. so I ran, you know, I did I warmed up from like a mile, which that could have been something. Maybe I didn't warm up long enough. Maybe I didn't cool down long enough, but I ran about a mile to to warm up, and then turn around and just started going, and um, immediately I hit five thirty pace and then started to slow down. Until I got about halfway, and I and I maintained, tried to maintain a six-minute pace, and then towards the end, I pushed, uh, you know, I pushed into it and sped up a little bit, and only got a six oh six. So what was your warm up like? You said you warmed up for a mile, but I just just like you just jogged a jog. mile. I did an easy jog with a couple I, little bit of um, some strides. And if you do it again, I would recommend that you sort of build up your speed. Maybe go a little longer warm up. So start out dead slow and then just work your way up to doing like some fast strides so that you're going almost as fast as you would or just as fast as you would right before you're about to start 
Because warming up for these shorter speed races, it's really important that you be fully like hot, ready to go as soon as you take that first step. That okay. might have had to do with why you felt sore the next day. Maybe. I will definitely try that. Because just going slow isn't quite enough of a warm-up. You yeah. can actually build up some speed. Yeah. And I like I said, I did, I did a few strides. Probably not enough, though. Okay. And then I made sure to give myself maybe a minute of just standing there to kind of cool down. Or not cool down, but be ready. Just, yeah, just get your head back on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I, yeah, I, I haven't run just a single mile. Like That's all I did for the day since high school, so I have no idea what I could do. Probably not as fast as you just went, though. You should try. It's really it's fun and satisfying. <laughs> and, I, I don't and know. It, I, it sucks, I think too. my skill is long and semi-fast, not short and really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I still, if we, you and I were to race a 50K, I still think you'd beat me. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I still have so many question marks at this point. I mean, I, I've had some really good races, and I've had some really bad ones. So I don't know. I, I need more training experience. Like, if I'm going to do a trail 50K, I definitely need to hit the, the mountains and the trails more. Or not trails, uh, the do more climbing. Because I think that I was not prepared for that at Moonshine at all. Even though I, the type of trails I run on are sort of a low-grade hill all the time. It's not like these hill-specific workouts, but it's just a little bit of climbing a lot instead of a lot of climbing a little bit of the time, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like hitting Swayze or going to Whiskey Town where there's like, okay, we're going to go climb for two miles, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then again, I'm trying to open my mind too. I, I tend to box myself into the long endurance-type skills but maybe I could go faster if I trained for it better. I, I just going fast hurts. Yeah, it hurts a little bit. It is. It's still fun. It's still worth it. And I, I still think there's a major benefit. Um, you know, to go back to the, uh, the sunset through the trees uh, series that we did. I spent more time doing fast running in this season, even though it was lower mileage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I cross train. I, I go to the gym. Um, I've been going on and off, trying to decide if it's more beneficial for me not to go or if it's still beneficial for me to go. Um, but I went back and started a six week um, six week training cycle or whatever six week um, like program workout block. Yeah, workout block. Um, I've been doing this for two or three years. It's actually one of the things that got rid of my asthma. But I went back after having not done this stuff for probably two months. And I expected to be like, so out of 10 people or so, you know, after coming back, after taking a break, I, I'm usually in the bottom half of people. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, because like, I, you know, it's you lose muscle strength quickly. So I'll lose my upper body strength and I'm not very good at push-ups after a while. Um, or, you know... I just gas. I get gassed out from not not from cardio fitness, but just from muscle failure. Hmm. You know, you, so, so it's like your lactate's built up and you just can't do it anymore. Yeah, or just my muscles aren't used to the repetitive stuff, and so they just get really tired. It's usually push-ups or chin-ups or those kind of things. And this first one was a good rounded mixture of everything. We had squats, we had weighted squats, um, some push-ups some um, 
more squats with uh, dumbbells, um, and then some weird, uh, like we had a we call them the chimps, but it's like a you move laterally and you kick your feet out and then you move your your arms in front of you. So you're going side to side, and you're you're stretching your arms and your legs out to pull. Uh, and just imagine a chimpanzee running side to side. Okay. Is what so that so you're on is. your hands and feet. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it, it's a really high cardio exercise. That sounds hard. So you do that for about 25 meters, and over the course of the workout, I actually I was hanging on to the leader. Um, oh, and then and then to my benefit, you start with a 500 meter run. Um, there's a section that you repeat four times. Then there's another 500 meter run. Then you repeat a different section four times, and then you finish with a 500 meter run. And so naturally, I I was the first one. You know, I finished the 500 meter run first. Mm-hmm. Then I got in and started doing the the circuit of exercises. Um, I was not the first person out the door to do the run. I was probably third out. Um, did the run, came back, and then um, I started catching the leader through the the workout part um and by that point usually if i haven't been in it for a while then i'm going to start slowing down or uh, getting fatigued or whatever and i was the second person out the door and i caught the person that was in the front and (laughs) it was a girl she's really fit and she was as i passed her she's like no that's not fair (laughs) i got passed by the marathon or whatever you know um yeah you're supposed to be like slow is that why well, just like, you know, she was banking on the fact that I wasn't going to be as fast on the other stuff. Gotcha. So, and it's actually, it, it's really good for runners to do because all the other stuff, you get out there and, and you start doing your little run, you know, 500 meter run, but you're so tired. So mm-hmm. you're, you know, I, I was you're slowed working down. through that fatigue. Exactly. I was super slow on the second run and the third run. Um. But when I when I get out to those runs, I treat that like my cool or uh, my recovery. So I'm not running hard; I'm running to recover. Okay. And and you still caught her doing the recovery style run? Yeah, because I you know well I re- I got about halfway through the last 500, and then I got recovered enough to where I'm like, oh, I can. She's you know I'm starting to catch her, and so then I just you know started running faster, and and by then it was mine. So nice. But yeah, that's a good feeling to step back in and be still strong and fast. Yeah. And by the end of it, um, I love the feeling of, of pushing hard and having, you know, really sore, tired muscles. It's just one of those things that I've grown to love. Like the feeling you get after a really good long run, mm-hmm. you just, you have that ache and you just start to crave that. Yeah. Um, so I felt that last night and expected to be really sore today and I actually felt great today. So that's encouraging. Awesome. So, so do you, you attribute that though to the, the lower mile, but higher intensity running you've been doing? I, I would attribute my, how well I did in the gym probably to that. Okay. Um, I don't know why I recovered so quickly from it. Um, I think that was just maybe my body's getting used to recovering faster. I don't know. I have no idea. So, <laughs> well, 
that's certainly a, uh, an aspect of running I think people don't talk about much is just your ability to recover more quickly. That's something that happens as you get more fit for sure. I, mean, I, I felt it a little bit last week I when I ramped up my miles. I was like, I just jumped into doing eight-mile runs, which I hadn't done consistently for weeks, maybe even months. You were doing more like five or six miles, right? Yeah, I was doing 10Ks at most. And I, by the third day, I was starting to worry, like, am I going to start feeling some ache or pain cropping back in because like at the end of the day I'd be pretty beat I'd go to bed and wake up and maybe be a little stiff but once I got moving by 10 a.m. I was I felt great again so it's just kind of for me like with my training and when I'm pushing my miles up I I try to sort of pay close attention to how how I'm recovering and, and sort of use that to gauge if I'm pushing too hard or not yeah uh, one thing I've actually been thinking about, um, I've always had it on my mind to do, to work up to do a hundred miles. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of 2019 would be a great time to do a, a, my first hundred, excuse me. Um, but now, you know, with some extra speed, gaining some extra speed and getting ready to train for the Reading Marathon again, um, I've actually been feeling like it's you know, I want to wait to run a hundred miles or really pour into the super long distance stuff until I break three, three hours in the marathon. At which point then I'm totally happy to start focusing on, on hundred K and a hundred miles and get that done. Okay. And, and, uh, may, you know, ultimately I want to try one of these 200 mile races. So, well, before we get there though, how are you going to give yourself a time limit or are you going to say, before, until I'm 40? I mean, what if it takes you that long? Get down to three hours. Um, I don't know. I, maybe I'm naive enough to it? think that I can do a three-hour marathon in 2019. Well, but, I mean, maybe, like you said, you talked about doing it at CIM in Sacramento. Yeah. which I mean, It'd be tougher at Reading. Yeah, absolutely. The Reading Marathon is not an easy course. The CIM is a, is a net downhill. I don't know of how many feet. But it goes from Folsom, California to Sacramento, California. And it's one of those courses that if you want to run a PR, that's the kind of course you go to. Because it's, right. it's easy, it's fast. It's, what time uh, of the year is it again? It's in December. Oh, okay. So the weather will be cool. So, you know, obviously, providing that there's not rain, I still feel like you could run. It's not like Boston, because it doesn't get freezing cold in California like that. You know, True. you might get some hail or something in a freak storm, but you know, in December, it usually gets down to like the lowest of forty, and that's on a really True. cold day. So, you know, I would be confident. Well, the only problem is if there's wind. I, it, I think the wind chill factor is something to consider, but yeah, as long as the wind is pushing me towards the finish line. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which way the wind <clears throat> prevails down there. Probably towards the mountains, not away from them. Yeah. Well, either way, well, it's yeah. still a fast course. True. And I'm, I'm not trying to knock you. I'm just trying to razz you a little bit about whether or not you can actually reach that goal. I, for me, it, it would be something I'm aiming for, but it's not like a showstopper. If I don't get there, I'll, I'm not going to let it hold me back from doing other stuff. Because yeah. I think I can train to go fast for a marathon once a year and still do longer ultras, too. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to do ultras, and I will. Um Especially Shasta Trail Runs just announced that they're doing a Castle Crags 
50k as well as a mount shasta 50k and you know i'm already looking at my work schedule hoping and praying that those time slots are going to be available because i want to do both um i'm really excited about the mount shasta one because uh mount shasta just means so much to me Mm -hmm. and the trails that are out there i mean they're high altitude we're going to be up in the like nine thousand feet or nine yeah nine thousand feet for a lot of it maybe even a little probably not higher than that but i don't well it peaks at horse camp i think most of it's probably closer to like five thousand at most oh no horse camp is it at least eight well that's the highest point okay so if horse camp is the highest point that's eight thousand feet that's at the top of one big climb okay i think most of it's lower yeah the climbs aren't that well i i haven't spent any time running out there so i can't say for sure but um i mean it's definitely going to be um out of our comfort zone for sure i mean redding and red in terms bluff, of altitude yeah red red bluff and redding are pretty similar right we're about yeah, 500 we're basically sea level yeah so i mean the big difference is i'm 30 minutes closer to getting out there to train <laughs> so oh you mean like you want to get up there and actually hit the trails yeah so and that's in june which is uh, really close to the time that I want to do my... Every year I go up Mount Shasta and I try to go and get a, a you know a PR. First um, time attempt. My last year I did five and a half hours. Or five, it was 535. Um, so I have to decide if, if that's going to put that at, at risk. It depends on how the weather turns out. If there's plenty of snow this year or this this upcoming winter then i can do that in july um if that's gonna do the climb before the race like in may or april or is that too early uh it's a little it's a little early when you when you want to go fast you want to have as little snow at the bottom as you can so you want to you want to be able to run the section from the parking lot at bunny flats until you you hit the scree until you hit the scree yeah or like um last year uh, from the from the parking lot until you hit um, probably a, a half a mile past the cabin horse camp, okay. that was all dry. So you oh, can okay. actually get on the dirt and or the trail and run. Um, awesome. I was not running very much. I was huffing and puffing because it was sure. I just wasn't used to the altitude. Well, it's certainly a factor. I, when I had that big long run I did up at Mount Eddy. I thought I could like tr- actually have an attempt at the the Strava leaderboard for the ascent up Eddie from like the, the lakes that are at the bottom of it. And I mean, number one, I went farther than I was anticipating, but still, I I, I couldn't muster more than a fast hike. It was, I mean, it, that peaks at like nine thousand, nothing crazy, but the altitude is hard. Altitude's interesting how it affects you. Yeah. The. The only one run that I've ever really had at altitude, um, I was near Tahoe. Not it wasn't or not Tahoe. Sorry, Yosemite. I was out near Yosemite. Okay. And I, I didn't realize the altitude until I started running, which prompted me to like stop. Like in the valley ju- or up in the up, well, we were, mountains around it. We were near the mountains. It wasn't like really mountainous, um, but we stayed at this. Um, it's like a camp. They had like some housing and stuff up there, but you know, I, I wanted to go get a run, and it was my stepbrother's wedding, 
and I went to go to get a run in and it was just really tough and so I thought oh I wonder what the altitude is and it was like 5,000 I had no idea that we're at 5,000 feet yeah but it was tough I, like running it, I should have been able to run nine and a half minute pace up the hill and then faster down the hill but I was doing like 12 minute miles nice <laughs> so if that's any indication of things to come for sure. Well, and I also want to get my hands on the map for the Castle Crags course. I'm not really sure where they're going because it's. I'm not sure what kind of loops they're going to make. I mean, the PCT goes through there. There's a lot of vert to be run there if, if uh, yeah. he chooses to. So, I mean, when I, I did the hike just to the Castle Crags area, and I mean, it was steep. I mean, a lot of the people in my family that don't run, they were huffing and puffing. I mean, yeah. it's not as high as Mount Shasta. I think it's more like 2,000 feet there, but uh, it's definitely steep. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely candy. looking forward to that one. There's some really killer views out there. Yeah, it's certainly beautiful. That, that, I always like it when you have to suffer that much that you get a nice view or some kind of cool payoff at the end, you know, like a, a waterfall or something. Yeah. So that's exciting. Well, I think the suffering is the, the reward in and of itself. <laughs> You're definitely uh, better than me then. I do I'm not kidding. like to suffer. I'd like to be prepared so it doesn't hurt too much. But yeah. obviously I can handle a little suffering and I look forward to it. it it's fun seeing, I, I enjoying pushing myself. And like like you mentioned, doing a 200, like the Tahoe 200 that just happened. Uh, it's hard to fathom like being on your feet moving for probably three days for dudes yeah. like us. There's a guy named, I think his name is, uh, I actually don't know what his name is now. I think his name is Kerry something. Um, but he, he's done some YouTube videos. They're not fantastic productions, but he documents his journey through the 200-mile distance. He's done two 200-milers, maybe more. Okay. And, <clears throat> man, most of the time is spent walking. Huh. You know, and he's definitely not an elite runner. He's, you know, probably... Um, Probably in better shape than us, but it just seems like he, he likes to do the long stuff. So, but, you know, they give you so much time. I don't know what the cutoff time for Tahoe 200 is, but it's got to be. I bet it's in the five-day range. Yeah. I know Moab was five days, yeah. but that's 240 or 236. Okay, so in, in a five-day, that's like just under 50 miles a day. I yep. feel like you could do that by walking. Well, yeah, but that's still, you got to consider the time on your feet. That's just hard to be up and moving that long, even if you're walking. Yeah. I don't know. And then you add in sleep deprivation and maybe possible digestion issues because your body doesn't know what to do with itself because you're up so long and moving so long. Yeah. I mean, I've only had a slight taste of it doing the four-mile-an-hour challenge. It wasn't that much distance, but I was on my feet from 9 a.m. to... I don't know. I was on my feet for eight or nine hours. Yeah. Well, you're on your feet running for eight or nine hours. So. What do you mean? Like at the four mile an hour? Yeah. I well, mean, technically, you, no. I did get to sit down at the end of each lap. But. I know, but you were, you know, a lot of the time you spent up on your feet was actual running. It wasn't just. Um, True. But it was running walking. slow. Yeah. I was doing like 11 minute pace. I was not running fast. Well, I wonder what the pace. So. Um, Courtney DeWalter in the Tahoe 200, um, she got 48, 
hours? Uh, I'm looking at it. It's 49.54. We could probably call it 50 hours. Yeah. To make it the math easy. Dang. How many... Uh, I wonder what the pace is for that. Well, 200 miles divided by 50 hours for... 6,000 or 600 minutes. No, 6,000 minutes. I don't know. I can't do the math. It's late. <laughs> yeah. I'll pull up Strava here and check it out real quick. Did she uh, log the whole race? Uh, no, but I'm going to I'm gonna manually. You ever do that where you manually upload an activity just to see oh, what the time Oh, you do an entry? Yeah. So let's go. I've never done that. That's really smart. 200 mile. I do it all the time just to think, okay, how fast do I have to go to get a three hour marathon? <laughs> you know, um, that's 14 minutes and 58 seconds per mile. Okay. That's pretty fast for 200 miles. I mean, given that that includes all of her breaks, that includes. Sure. Um, well, I'd like to know what her breaks look like. I know that she's kind of known for her power naps. Like she'll take like, I know at the Moab 240, she did like a one-minute nap. She, yeah, she slept for 11 minutes the whole race. And uh, the 10 minutes were not very productive, but the one minute was. It's like short-circuiting your brain. You go, okay, we're back. Yeah. We got to yeah. rest. I remember saying that she, she dreamed and everything. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, well, she must stop and sit and have a meal. I know there were some Instagram photos of her eating, but... The the few videos I saw of her actually moving, she was not going 14-minute pace. It was definitely faster. Yeah. Well, like I said, that includes... So if you're if there's breaks or, or uh, aid station stops and you got to sit down and eat, change your shoes. I don't know. Did she have the same shoes? I know that I know. Jamil Curry ran. He got fifth place. And, oh, really? And he had the same pair of shoes the whole time. Huh. So he was the in the... only thing I could see changing would be my socks. Yeah. Just to get a dry set of socks. I don't know that I would need to change shoes, but that's just me. Well, yeah, you get your sweaty socks that start to get crusty and full of dirt. Well, and they get abrasive, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I just want to maybe put a fresh coat of baby powder on your feet to keep them, you know, give your feet some love so they can yeah. a long time. You definitely need some trail maintenance. So I, I would love to take on that adventure someday. I think well, I love it, the nature of the Tahoe 200 it being a giant loop. I mean, there's no, you're not doing the same trail more than once. It's like some of the smaller big races like that, you do the same 50 mile loop four times. That seems kind of mind bending, yeah, really annoying. But knowing that you're running all the way around Lake Tahoe in the mountains, it seems pretty epic. Yeah. So how does this course differ from what Ryan Gelfi just did? Because he just ran the. Uh Oh no 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 no! I take that back. He took you to the Wonderland Trail. Yeah, because he's tried the uh, the Tahoe Basin Trail. Okay. Is, is that a f- how big is that? FKT. Is I have no idea. I didn't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he's tried. He likes to do that kind of stuff. Well, I know he's tried the Tahoe Rim Trail. I just don't know how big that is. And then he just recently got the um, yeah the Wonderland FKT. So. So yeah, he did that. Is. Was it a pretty big margin over Gary Robbins, or I think it was by nine minutes. Oh wow! So that was a close, close record to steal away. I could be wrong. Maybe it was. Maybe it was more than that. I imagine the margins have got to be small because those guys. I mean, both those guys are really strong runners. Yeah, well, they're both strong yeah. mountain runners. True. So, 
Gary Robbins has better beard game though. Nah. Well, he always fools me. It makes him look way older than I think he really is. Yeah, I forget how old he is. I wish I knew more about the FKT attempts that Gelfie's done. I know he also tried to break the FKT for the summiting of Half Dome, and he failed. Yeah. And I think he well, went to help his wife, and she failed. He actually had... No, I thought she got it. Did she get it? I think she got it. Record? I think she okay. got the women's record. But okay. awesome. he, he, he had the FKT for Half Dome at one point. Okay. That was the first. He's doing the actual trail, though. He's not trying to get like the fastest ascent possible well, via any route. That particular, so the FKT, so F, not all FKTs are the same. Um, some are are based off of whatever, like it's a specific trail so, that you're getting right. the fastest known time for. Some of them are point to point. Mount Shasta is a point to point, as far as I understand. So you start at um, Horse Camp. And however you find yourself to the summit, that is the, that's the FKT, which okay. Ryan Gelfie has. It was a one hour and 37 minutes. That's insane. Which is insane. Um, wow. And then uh, the Wonderland Trail, though, like you have to run the trail. You can't, obviously, sure. you can't cut the course. That doesn't count. But uh, for Half Dome, it's... I'm not sure... Well, there's, they count there's a hiking trail, and that's definitely not the shortest route. Because I think the guy who actually owns the, the overall fastest time, he's a mountain climber. And he basically took like a climbing route up the... Well, he's a rock climber. Right. Yeah. What did I say? He's a, he actually passed away. You said mountain climber. Yeah, sorry, a rock Dean, climber. Dean uh, something. That sounds about right. But. He, I can't remember if it's from the, the start. I think it's from the start to the summit and back. I think you have to make it back down. Hmm. For wow, that that's, one. that's crazy. I don't know if you've ever hiked that, but there's a lot of steps. Yeah, it's I have Super jarring on the knees, especially coming back. Yeah, and I know that uh, for Mount Whitney, I've looked into that. Um, Mount Whitney is the highest peak in the lower 48, and there's a there's an FKT from the the uh, the portal to the top, and then there's an FKT from the portal to the top and back. Hmm. So um, <laughs> it, it gets all confusing, but it's a fascinating subject. I love that stuff. I, I doubt that I'll ever make an FKT beyond, you know, the, uh, you know, flippant uh, Strava course record. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, or even getting on the top 10, that's, that can be a challenge yeah. in of itself. I mean, we talked about trying to do Lassen this year. It never happened, but I bet we could probably get on the top 10 for Lassen. Yeah. That would be a suffer fest. I mean, that's like two and a half miles straight up from eight to 10,000 feet. Yeah. I'm sure our legs would be burning so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, one day, hopefully. Technically, we could still get up there before it snows. I'm not sure. The trail's closed yet. Yeah, I don't have any mountain legs right now. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So I've got real legs. Time. I think next year would be a really great time to to actually put that in our plans and try to, to make some magic happen and just see what we can do. Um, Despite your uh, road marathon goals? Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, everybody says that running uh, like hill repeats is really, really good. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to run. Like, I, I definitely want to run those ultras. Maybe after we run um, Castle Crags and Mount Shasta, um, give ourselves a month or so of recovery 
and then transition as we start to go back into fast season. Mm-hmm. We'll turn that into like, hey, let's see what kind of time we can put up on, on uh, Mount Lassen. Yeah, I think totally. that's, that's a good idea. So awesome. All right. Well, well, thanks everybody for joining us on the Random Runner. Um, hope hope you're enjoying it and sharing and subscribing. And I don't think you can like podcasts, can you? Nope, but on iTunes and I think Stitcher, you can give them a rating. So help get us a, up in the recommendations. It would be awesome if you gave us a vote of confidence. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll All catch right. you next Until week. Next time, Brian.